Today's reading is Acts 4, verse 23 to 27. If you would like to find that now. Okay, I'm going to start. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the, with the genitals and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus from whom you anointed. They did, uh, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to the to time those who owned land or houses sold them, bought them money from sales, and put it in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which meant son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Thank you, Dan. Well, scripture is always fresh, isn't it? And sometimes we bring a new interpretation. So uh, we'll not ponder too much on that verse for today, but shall we pray? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that your word changes us and has the power to change the world. So as we reflect today, help us to hear your voice speaking to each of us. Amen. Amen. Well, well, what an amazing passage of scripture. And it comes in our sermon series where we are asking the question, what is the church for? Now, I reckon there's probably just over a hundred of you in here today. And if I asked you all, what is the church for? You would probably give me a massive, wide variety of answers. But today, we're going to be looking at this text from Acts 4 and a few other texts as well to think about how the church can be an 
agent of social transformation. An agent of social transformation. That means how the church can change the world for the better. Who here thinks that the church can change the world for the better? Yeah? We don't all feel powerful every day to be able to do that, do we? But in this text, in some other texts of scripture that we're going to look at, and through history, that's exactly what the church, through followers of Jesus, has done. Now, we watched that video about Zambia just a moment ago, didn't we? And it was exciting to see how the church has been an agent of social transformation in that country. In our church, we've been supporting a similar project in Tanzania through the last three years, enabling those communities in Tanzania to find solutions through prayer, through Bible study, through the local church, through community for the problems that they have around farming, around inequality, around the need for people to be able to generate their own income. On Tuesday night, our PCC is going to reflect again on how we might continue to support that work. So we're not just talking about something that's a bit abstract and far away. We're talking about things like the family works that we can actually engage in day by day. Martin Luther King made an amazing statement, okay? He said this, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So kids, a rainbow is an arc shape, okay? Think about the moral arc of the universe. That means the story of people throughout time and space and how they live. The moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Well, is that really true? We're going to find out now. We're going to think about scripture, and I'm going to ruin the story for you by telling you the end. Okay? If we take ourselves to Revelation chapter 21, that is the very end of the story. And it says this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Guys, this is the end of the story. 
the end of the long moral arc of the universe bending towards justice is in the fullness of all things before God. When Jesus puts everything right at the end of time, there will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more mourning, no more pain, no more crying. All of that will be ended. Good news? That is good news. And then, back in Isaiah 61, the passage that Andrea read, that was the inspiration for the work we're doing in the family works, we have this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. So that's way back at the beginning of the story in the Old Testament, well, partway through, really, but in the Old Testament. Now, a really interesting thing. What does Jesus do when he begins his ministry as a man aged 30 in the middle of Galilee? Well, he goes to his local synagogue in Nazareth, the place where he had grown up as a boy, as a teenager, and he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and the first thing he says as part of his public ministry are these words from Isaiah 61. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to re recovery of freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that is Jesus' manifesto. It's what he said he'd come to do. And so, when we get to this bit of Acts 4, and we find the disciples who've seen Jesus die, they've met the resurrected Jesus, they've watched him ascend into heaven, and they've received the Holy Spirit, and now they're working out, how do we do this thing? How do we live as followers of Jesus? How do we do the things that he told us to do? Well, they pray for people. They see people healed. We talked about healing last week. They realize in this chapter that the powers that be, the powers out there in the world, are set against them because they get put into prison. Peter and John are imprisoned for healing somebody and then they're released. And they realize that this is going to be a little bit of a battle. Not everybody is going to want to see the oppressed set free, the blind given their sight, the hungry fed. And they're going to have to work out how to live differently in the world in order to be followers of Jesus. And so we get to verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord's Jesus, 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. They set a new order. They found a new way of doing things. And throughout history, the church of Jesus Christ has done the same. We haven't always done it brilliantly. We haven't always done it perfectly. But how did we end up with schools and hospitals in this country? How did that come about? Well, it was because people who were following Jesus believed that every child should be ed educated. People who were following Jesus believed that those who were sick should have access to health care. God, through his Holy Spirit, has enabled his people to be agents of social transformation since the very beginning. And he is still doing that now. And that's good news. But sometimes in our churches, we get so used to caring for one another and to being absolutely focused on making the church a great place to be, that we forget that part of the responsibility of being the church is that we do it out there as well, and that we become a part of the change we long to see. So there is loads of wisdom and experience and brilliance and maturity of faith in this room, so what we're going to do, I'm going to put you to work for just a moment, okay? On your tables, what I want you to do is just for one minute, I want you to discuss with one another and come up with one, just one, big problem in society, okay? Just one. So agree, as a table, which one big problem you're going to focus on. Okay, so I'm just going to come round really quickly. I'm not going to come round all of you, but I'm going to come round really quickly and ask what social problem different groups are going to be talking about. So you, you're not done yet. Keep thinking. Okay, Benjamin's got his hand up. Pollution. Pollution, fantastic. That is a massive problem. We definitely need to think about it. Okay, what about over here? Greed. Greed. That is a huge, huge problem, definitely. Um, this table, have you got one? Health. Health. Brilliant. Okay, anyone else want to tell me what their issue is? Young people. Fantastic. Over here. Loneliness. Loneliness. Okay, loneliness. We're going for one more. Debt. Debt. Okay, guys, you've come up. Oh, hang on. One more over here. People keen to tell me. Distribution of wealth, inequality, fantastic. Okay. Oh, go. Um, hacking online. Online. Online issues. Online safety. Plunder. Okay, that's a <laughs> that's a that's a big one. Okay, so you've got lots and lots of different brilliant issues that you're going to think about. What I want you to do now for two minutes with that one issue, I want you to project your minds forward 
to the year 2050, okay? And I want you to imagine what the world will be like in 2050 if we do nothing at all about that issue. Two minutes, off you go. Okay, so lots and lots of discussion going on. And I'm sure you've come to some great conclusions. So we had issues of loneliness, inequality, greed, pollution, debt, healthcare. There were all kinds of different issues raised. And you didn't even duplicate, which just shows how much you've all got to go at. Would anybody like to feed back one thing that they discussed? Stick your hand up high. I won't pick on you if you want to. Okay. Hang on a second. Oh, no way. Um, we said um, AI is just going to take over everything. So if things stay exactly as they are, AI will take over all sorts of things, okay? Well, at my, at my age, it's going to be your problem. But I reckon we should be in the millennial kingdom by then because AI will have taken over and God will not allow that to carry on forever. So Jesus is coming back so we don't need to worry. <laughs> okay, but maybe we've still got a responsibility to try and make things a little bit better. Okay. I think we, we looked at the good things that we have from our Christian heritage in terms of uh, welfare state and, and things like that. Fantastic. So they're good things, and we'd hope they'd carry on for the next 25 years. Brilliant. Okay, Benjamin. A rubbish island. An island made out of rubbish. Oh, so in 25 years, there might be a whole island made out of rubbish. Thank you, Benjamin. If we don't... It's okay, we're going to come on to the hopeful bit next. Okay, we're coming on to the hopeful bit. Mike, you... We're thinking of anarchy as the world is going to change for better health-wise and transport and everything's going to change. Everything's going to change and there could be anarchy. Okay. So if we carry on as we are for the next 25 years and just keep doing what we're doing, one, one more from Jane. We suggested that um, it was sort of the individualism would take over because of intolerance. Absolutely, I can see that definitely. Individualism would take over because of intolerance. So if we carry on exactly as we are for the next 25 years and the people of God are spectators in the world rather than participants and agents of social change, will the world in 25 years be the kind of place that you want to live in? or that you want to bring children up in? Not particularly. Okay, so two more minutes on your tables. What one thing can the people of God do to be agents of social transformation in the issue you were talking about? One thing, and it, does, it can be prayer. Prayer is an important thing, but what one thing could you think of that the people of God can do? Two minutes. Yeah. 
it's good that you have got so, so much to talk about because there is a lot that we can do, isn't there? So from the most enthusiastic of you, I'm going to take the first three hands that go up to feedback. So, oh, wow. Okay, so I've got three already. Oh, I've got I've got, I might take four. I've got a fourth. Okay, so Pete, what can we do about inequality? Stop running scared, preach the gospel, and live it out. Okay, that was, that was succinct. <laughs> Stop running scared, preach the gospel, and live it out. Fantastic, that's great. Anna, did you want to say something? No, okay, Eddie. No, you, no? Okay, but... Benjamin definitely does. So we were thinking about pollution over here, and we don't want an island of waste in 25 years' time. So what are the people of God going to do? One thing that Benjamin's already done, he wrote a letter to his head teacher to ask for a litter pickers so the kids now do litter picking in school. That is absolutely fantastic, Benjamin. That's a brilliant thing because you cared, so you did something to make a difference. Hello. Oh, that is. What's your name? Danielle. Hello. Show, Danielle's nailed it, guys. She nailed it. Show love to one another. Yeah? <laughs> so, actually, in those three answers, okay. We had preach the gospel, activism, and showing love. The only thing I would add to that is pray. Yeah? If we want to see our world changed, if we want to live into making the difference that this book tells us is possible for our messed up world Here's where we begin. We can tell people about Jesus. We can pray. We can live with love for one another. And we can do acts of activism to make a difference in our world. Guys, well done. You just collaboratively wrote the sermon for this morning to help us to better understand how the church might be an agent of social transformation. That is what we're passionate about, seeing the good news of Jesus, as Andrea said, with skin on, walking our streets and making a difference in our world. Does that excite you? Because it definitely excites me. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we hold before you the things we've talked about. All of the difficulties and the challenges that we see in our world. When we look at them, sometimes they feel way too big for us and more than we can manage to understand. We know that we don't have the answers. But we know that you do. And we pray that you would be at work in our hearts, bringing a passion to see your gospel change lives here and now. Lord, we thank you for all the things we've spoken of this morning. And where we're not only thinking of issues, but you have also placed a calling on us to be responsive 
Lord, would you do your work? Would you do what you've called us to do? There are some people here who've got specific callings on their life to be agents of change in specific areas of the world. And if that's you, you might know what that area is. It could be health. It could be education. It could be mental health. It could be the environment. There are so many different issues. But for those people who know the call of God upon them, to be part of the conversation, to be part of making a difference. Lord, I pray your anointing would fall afresh. I pray that your passion would burn in their hearts like a fire that cannot be extinguished. I pray that you would release opportunities, conversations, places in which to serve areas in which your voice can be heard through each person here. So Lord, would you release afresh the fire of your Holy Spirit today, enabling and equipping people to love as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are someone who does feel a particular call to a particular area of social activism and would just like to be prayed for as God sets you off on that next bit of your journey, please come and talk to me at the end um, because I will definitely love to pray with you about that. Okay, back to Kirsty.